This is From Paint to Purpose, a podcast by FCP Services, where we believe people drive growth. Exploring topics related to company culture, leadership, and construction industry insights. Now your host. All right, welcome to another episode of From Paint to Purpose. We've done this format a couple times here, but we got John Barsons on the hot seat answering some of the questions. And today we're going to be focusing on evaluating employees by core values. John, just to start off here, let's re- refresh the importance of running an organization by core values and just kind of a broad overview on why you think that's important. The The biggest piece, I think, about organizations that choose to, to have their core values uh, be what drives the organization and leads it is really having an anchor point, regardless of what decisions need to be made by whom, that the core values supersede everything else. And, and so evaluation of talent is just one component of it, right? But if you're going to be leading an organization by values, they become the standards by which every decision that is made, whether it's a business decision strictly uh, for client engagement, financial decisions, uh, strategic decisions, uh, that's going to be, they're going to be driven by that core value base, just like it is with uh, hiring or terminating people, uh, what you accept and what you allow is what you ultimately are going to get. And so anybody who, who determines to lead by values uh, and have their organization be led by values is going to set the expectation from the very beginning that this is the, the non-negotiable. And so it is much more defined than many people think. Uh, one of the things that I think often happens when it comes to organizations who look at, at at a at the value system of an organization is that they assume it's squishy or it's soft or it, or it's subjective and in reality it's the hardest way to lead an organization because you define your core values very clearly and then you associate those with behaviors that you accept uh, for those core values if they're being led led and lived out appropriately and that usually means that when you're making decisions it is going to be even tougher because it's not going to be subjective. It is very clear because you've defined those things and then it becomes harder to sometimes make those decisions because it becomes plainly obvious. With setting expectations, talk us through that initial conversation with the employee. What does that look like? So it does start at the very beginning of the process of even hiring somebody. If you've hired the right person, then they are in alignment with your core values to begin with. So let's make that assumption right away that you've made the right hire. Once that is on board, part of the onboarding process is to then begin to help them connect what they do, their job, with those core values of the organization and the behaviors that are expected within that job. Because the behaviors, as they're described in the evaluation of, of, of whether people are living out the core values is going to change depending upon the role that you're playing. So the role, the, the core value doesn't change the, the definition of what success looks like if you're actually living out that core value doesn't change the descriptors, uh, and the behaviors around it are likely going to change a little bit because if you're customer facing, for instance, and you're a salesperson or you're a client relationship person, that's going to be, it's going to show up very differently than if you're in the backside of the business doing finance behind the scenes type of work. It doesn't mean that those core values aren't going to be lived out 
they're just going to be manifesting themselves differently. So it starts with really understanding what the role requires. Uh, and we, when we benchmark a position for a, a new hire, it is benchmarked based on what the key stakeholders believe is most important for the organization to do in that role. And because it's linked to the core values, how you go about doing that, the motor, motivators, drivers, and uh, the, the competencies all tie to that. And so that first conversation really starts within the onboarding process. For us as an organization, we do quarterly evaluations. We don't do the first 90 days as a evaluation necessarily. Uh, we use that as an opportunity to continue to train, talk about, and really help people understand why those core values matter so much in what they do. After that 90 days, now we begin the process of evaluation. So that first 90 days is really about deep diving into the link between what they do, the accountabilities, and how they do it, the core values. And so it starts with those with that understanding. We don't believe that you can measure somebody on their living out of the core values if they don't fully understand what those mean. So we spend that first 90 days really deep diving into that so they understand the culture and the core values. Once that has been established, then you're having those conversations as often as you need to. And again, some people's personalities are they just live out the core values and it's seen. I have some direct reports that I just know it happens every day and in every interaction I either have with them or they're having with a client or internal participant because that's just who they are. And their track record has demonstrated that. They may never use the language of our core values in the, in the way that they're always described, but you can see it visibly. And you can, as you talk to other people, it comes out in very clear standards. Where others, it might not be as natural for them. And so you're having more of those conversations, whether it's in your regular meetings, one-on-one, whether it's in team meetings, whatever that might be, to try to help make sure that everybody understands it. The biggest link between performance and core values is that they have to be meshed together. So oftentimes uh, evaluations are based on what you do. What, what are the accountabilities that you have in your job? Your job description says X. Did you do X? And that's how the measurement happens. The difference between a, a, a values-based organization and one that is simply just kind of it is is that the how you do what you're doing matters just as much, if not more often, than what you do. And that is the, about the core values. So I, I, easy, the, some of the easier examples are for those who are in a sales role. Sales is pretty easy to measure in many ways because it's based on a revenue number, a revenue target, whatever that is. You can have a lot of metrics in between, but at the end of the day, a salesperson is driving revenue, the right revenue, the right profitability, a salesperson can do that in a lot of different ways. In a values-based organization, how they go about approaching those client relationships and building sales matters because you can easily lie to a, a client and, and bring in revenue. You can treat internal people negatively and drive revenue. I would argue it probably isn't going to work out in the end, but at the but in terms of tangible results, there's a lot of really good people out there that get work done and do it really, really well. How they go about doing that is completely outside of the bounds for what we would expect from people living out their core values. So that is really the big difference as you start that process with somebody is identifying here are the, and for us, we have anywhere from two to four key accountabilities for every person in the organization in their role. And we link those with our three core values. And so while they're measured separately, 
they're intertwined because we shouldn't have a big gap between somebody showing up uh, in one of our core values in a positive way and the outcome of their uh, of their accountability way off track and vice versa. They can't be a high performer in accountability and have low core value scores in our organization. It doesn't work that way. And so that's really how we set that table for that. But it starts with the conversations and it starts with that clarity of expectations. And so when I'm working with a new hire or with a new team that I might uh, inherit, it, it links back to those things. So here's what your job is. If you're a project manager, the expectation is you're going to manage the front end of your project to set schedule, uh, to manage the hours on that project, and to come to completion on the gross profitability of the project. Well, those are the tangible outcomes of any project. How you go about doing that matters, and that's where it links to our core values. So if you are going to be leading people in that function as a project manager, which many of our project managers do, whether it's subcontractors, site supervisors, or our in-house labor, how they have those conversations with people, setting clear expectations for their own team, measuring those on a daily, weekly, or monthly basis, depending upon the cadence, how they go about having those conversations is important. If they just simply say, here's your job, here's the, the scope of work, and then they walk away, they're not living out the core values because they're not actually leading forward in that. Same thing if you are in a leadership position in the organization. I have a lot that I oversee in the organization. So tactically every day, am I doing a lot of things? No, the teams are. How we go about getting those done is in part my clarity on what those objectives are and what the outcomes we look for are, are all about. So if my team is not clear about what, where they're driving and they're just kind of wandering aimlessly, then my job as a, as a leader hasn't been done well. Could I step in and do the work for them? Possibly. Should I? No. And, and so it's setting those clear expectations of what's your boundary, what's mine, what, how does that intersect with people across the organization? Uh, all of those things are setting the stage for linking that to the how and why with our core values, which is ultimately what it does. The what is really about the objectives. What I'm curious is how you measure the how and how is it just a matter of rumblings that bubble up to the surface or how do you, without being a fly on the wall, how do you know how project managers are having conversations with their direct reports or with the customers, so on and so forth? Yeah, so we do a lot of multi-rater um, evaluations. And so that can be internal stakeholders once or twice uh, uh, in the year just doing a touch base. Hey, you intersect with this person. Uh, what's your, what, what is your sense of interaction with them? It's it it also bubbles up to those uh, times in which something isn't going right, um, but then it forces managers to actually be engaged in the right way in doing the checks and balances of their teams. And so it's not micromanagement; it is trust but verify in many ways. Setting those clear expectations then lets everybody know this is what we would expect. The interesting thing is, and again, one of the big pushbacks of organizations who say, "Yeah." It's all great to have your core values and to lead by them, but it is really, really soft. And so how do you measure those, right, to your exact question? The reality is we measure those the same way on the, and on the same rating scale as we do with the objectives. So there's a number associated with it. That number has a descriptor by it. Um, and because of the core values, just like our, our accountability has measurables, 
so does our core values. And so what we do with our, our core values is understanding both the descriptor. What does it mean to live one of our core values, which is people? What does that look like? Well, we say measuring towards the right way to live and lead like our core values is to show everybody respect and dignity regardless of their position, regardless of whether we agree or disagree with them, and we expect high performance from our team. So those two components are setting the stage for what's expected of somebody living out the core values. Where it changes from position to position often is how those behaviors show up. And so in each of our groups, they actually identify the key behaviors that anybody walking into that group should see if they're living out those core values. And so on the people side of it, again, if our standard is you treat everybody with dignity and respect, I should never hear of somebody who is disrespecting somebody else in the organization consistently. Now that doesn't mean that there, that, that mistakes aren't, don't happen. And we mistreat people in an interaction. We may say something the wrong way. It may not be intended, but one of our other tenant core tenants of our people core value is to treat people as if their intentions are pure. Meaning we, we go into conversations with the intent that somebody else is not looking to play politics, to be too diplomatic. It's that candid with care. And so it's being able to have those pieces. And so those behaviors are visible. Those are things that we should be able to sense and see and feel in the objectives that they're having. That's why they're so linked because everybody's objectives, those two to four things should be visible to the vast majority of people in the organization because they're always interlinked. And so for instance, if we went to the finance team and if your role is to have job costing reports out to the project team, Well, we have expectations for when those job costing reports should be completed and sent out to the project team based on the business unit that they that they're involved with. Well, that's that is treating people with respect and dignity from a people standpoint, because if you're not doing that regularly, you're not helping them and enabling them to have high performance because they have no idea how their projects are necessarily uh, finishing or in progress. Likewise, with any of our other core values of, of drive, that internal motivation. So if my, my role is intersecting with three or four different departments and my internal drive is, well, I'll get it to them when I get it to them. I don't care what the deadlines are. You're not living out our core values. And so it's very easy in many ways to see whether it's happening or not. And then it forces conversations into those discussions consistently. So we can't just say, well, I observed this the week before your evaluation and it wasn't very good. So now automatically you have a poor rating for your core values. We ask people in their one-on-ones, have those consistent conversations. You're already intersecting with, with your entire team once a week with meetings and then all those other interactions. And so as a manager, you should be able to keep up with and see what's actually happening, both your observations and then whatever else is happening across the organization. The other piece of that is creating a candidness in the organization. So people can come to anybody in the organization and say, hey, I've got a concern. They have to come with it, again, with that right intentions. If all you're doing is looking to poke holes at stuff or poke people and point out all their flaws, that's not the intention. That's not intentions that are pure. That's intentions of trying to angle for something and you're playing politics. Have you ever had an employee push back on being evaluated by core values that isn't displaying toxic behavior 
but just doesn't want to be evaluated on that? Is, is that a thing? Yeah, it, it's both a thing for the direct person that's being evaluated. Likewise, it is sometimes one of the hardest things for managers to do because it feels like with core values that you are attacking the person and not necessarily what they do, right? So that's the big difference between I can I can have a, div, a difficult conversation about somebody's performance because the m- numbers are what they are or the action is what it is. When you're when you're bringing that into the life of the organization, which is your culture and core values, it's going to feel really, really uh, uncomfortable at times, especially if uh, they don't agree with it. So typically that's what we're training people on having those difficult conversations. It's why we ask people to come in and evaluate themselves and managers are asking their direct reports. So how did you rate yourself before they give them any of their feedback so that they have a, a litmus test on, are we on the same page? Are we off? And it's not just, well, I gave myself a four on a five point scale. It's, well, why did you rate yourself that way? What were the things that that you were are examples of that? And there are times when, as a manager, that person will bring insights to that conversation that I may not have thought about. And so in the moment, we may go, you know what? That makes a lot of sense. I will actually readjust this before we we finalize it. Likewise, if there's a big gap between that, like if I'm rating them at a two and they're rating themselves at a five, two being closer to the bottom and five being excellent, we got to have a different conversation because something is missing there. That goes back to the expectations of what does this look like? And that's on the manager to make sure that those things are clear uh, about what that is. So yes, there are, there are times when people go, I don't, I shouldn't be measured on, uh, on my, uh, on, on how I live out the core values. It's really about what I do. It's usually a pretty big red flag that we've made a mistake either in the hiring process or this person no longer fits where the organization is going. And then we have to be relentless around making sure that we are addressing that. And again, we are not re- ruthless in our organization of saying, if you don't fit, you're out. There is a, a process we go through to make sure that we can help educate people on how they're showing up, uh, on, on where their gaps are, and we give them as much training as necessary if they're willing to engage in it to help them get to that point and course correct. If at the, at the end of that period, whether, whether it's 30 days, 60 days, six months, um, that's determined it's not working, we're going to have to make a decision on that. Uh, and quite frankly, in most of the organization, we're in pretty good alignment on that. The times when we're not is typically when the person knows it and they just are afraid of what is the unknown outside of the organization and a manager thinking, well, man, if I lose this person, look at all the productivity that goes out the door and that means a lot more work. So it's oftentimes the reason we hesitate human nature is we don't, we know what the known is, even if the known isn't good. Right. And so that can, can bleed itself into it as well. As far as having those difficult conversations with employees about values that sometimes feel personal, can you share any mistakes that you might've made early on or any common mistakes that you see managers make or what your mindset is when going into these conversations that you know will feel a bit more personal um, what, what advice would you have for, for somebody in that position? Mistakes are always happening in this or a lack of candidness is usually the, at the root cause of it. 
nobody likes or very few people like conflict. Um, and there's even less people who are really good at managing through the conflict. And that's ultimately what this is when it becomes something that you have to have a conversation around um, not living out your core values. Because it, it is very, very personal for everybody. Nobody wants to feel like they're not doing their job well. That's hard enough. But when you feel like, hey, I'm not actually living out who I say I want to be, and to hear that, nobody wants to hear that feedback, right? And nobody, in general, managers don't like to give it necessarily either. I think it starts with building the the credibility and relationship with your team members. So if, if I don't actually have a relationship with any of the direct reports and the only interactions they consistently have with me are are around these types of, of challenges then no, the the actual difficulty is going to be exponential because there is no relationship that's foundational. It, there is no trust that's built. If they trust that I'm actually having the ki- candid conversations with them and supporting their growth through those things, it, it can go a lot smoother. The mistakes t- often happen because I don't want to address it in the moment. And so if you get, we do a quarterly evaluation. And so if I wait and, and, pile all of that stuff up. And I've never had a conversation with one of my direct reports in a quarter of where I don't think they're, they're leading those core values out in the right way. Then no, that conversation is going to get ugly pretty quickly because they're going to be blindsided by that. Most people don't necessarily have the self-awareness to realize they're not living them out. So it starts with, again, having the expectations on the front end, but then having the dialogue about how people are, are connecting what they do with how and why on a regular basis. One-on-ones are the perfect place to do that because it's going to be mostly in the moment. I've done this in meetings as well where somebody didn't necessarily show up in the right way or I didn't show up in the right way in a meeting. If it's on me, then I'm going to go to that person offline and say, hey, I, I just need to apologize. I came across as really, really harsh or I didn't listen well enough in that meeting and I interrupted you multiple times. That wasn't me giving you respect in that meeting. That goes a long way as well. But I've also found that if I'm in a meeting and I sense something that's not right and somebody else isn't doing it uh, to others or to me, I'm going to pull them aside afterwards in the moment and say, hey, I just got to point out this is where this was. What's going on? And find out what it is that is actually triggering those things. Uh, Because otherwise, it does become really difficult because it does feel like a personal attack. Nobody wants to be attacked, and we don't ever intend it to be that way in our conversations. That's why we try to make it as objective as possible. Because if it's just subjective, well, I just don't, I have a personality quirk with you. And so it's always, these things are always going to rub me the wrong way then that's never going to be a positive conversation. So I have to, that's why the behaviors around our core values matter so much because they become much more objective. It's easy to say, well, if we are expecting people to be treated with respect and dignity, for instance, again, on on our people core value, then the behavior around respect and dignity means I'm willing to have a difficult conversation with you. I'm not going to hold it in. I'm not going to be passive aggressive about that conversation. I'm not going to go share that with three other people before I have a conversation with you or even in, in even if I do share it with you, to then go share that with three or four other people and commiserate in the misery of that. Those are the things that are very, very clear. And if that is bubbling up over and over again, 
we've got to have that addressed. Uh, and, and we need to make sure that we are helping somebody to see how that behavior doesn't align with our core values. I have to highlight what you just said. And um, when you pull somebody aside and you ask them what's going on, that's coming with a pure intention of knowing that there, it's not why you do that and more accusatory. It's more, there must be an underlying reason. I think that's uh, that kind of, yeah, that, that's a really, I like that a lot. Thanks for listening. To learn more, visit fcpservices.com. Until next time, remember, people drive growth.